I've learned that I need to put less pressure on myself. That's that's probably been the hardest thing. And I think as a leader, I have to be confident in what I'm doing. I have to be decisive. That is extremely important and clear. And those things are very hard to do if you let imposter syndrome or self-doubt, as, as we often do as women, cripple you. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we share candid chats on all aspects of well-being so that you can live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebelagen. Laura Henshaw is hitting the ground running in 2023. That's why the co-founder and CEO of fitness and wellbeing platform Kick says it's more important than ever to keep her cup full. So what does that look like? Well, one thing Laura's trying her best to do is something we could all do a little bit more of, easing the self-pressure to do things perfectly all of the time. It's an outlook that extends to her well-being approach as much as her work at the helm of Kick, which saw her named a finalist in last year's Women Leading Tech Awards. In this chat with our managing editor, Alex Davies, Laura, who's also the cover star of our February issue, shares her movement non-negotiables, how she's reframing imposter syndrome, and a few mindset shifts to help you take on the coming year. Laura Henshaw, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat. We were just saying, so for anyone listening, Laura's kind of at about 6pm or so with you and it's quite early with me because I'm over in the UK and we've both got our teas ready for kind of firing up our brain power a little bit for this. <laughs> I've got English breakfast, which I I didn't make it very well. I, Steph always says to me, I don't leave the tea bag in long enough before I pour the milk in because I pour the milk in like the second I put the tea bag in. I went to go for a peppermint and I was like, nah, my brain needs to turn back on. So, <laughs> Well, thank you so, so much. And, you know, obviously we're saying it's about 6pm or so for you, kind of early evening. And so I'd love to start with if you have any when you're not recording podcasts, but if you have any kind of nighttime or evening kind of rituals, I guess, because, you know, people always ask about mornings and what you do in the mornings. But do you have anything in the evening that's a bit more of a routine or a ritual for you kind of to wind down? Well, I have to say before I say this, sometimes my ritual is watching TikTok in bed, which is not good. That is not good. But I think I just have to be honest that it's not it is not always perfect. Uh, my husband Dalton likes to call it serotonin boosting videos because we just watch videos. We've got two golden retrievers and we just watch golden retriever videos. However, watching your screen right before bed, especially on your phone when work stuff is coming, like I might get an email through or something, that's not what I would recommend <laughs> to do before going to bed. So my, and I think that it's just important that this routine that I have, it, I doesn't always, I don't always do it, but when I do, it does make a big difference. And I find that I try to switch off from work about two hours or an hour and at least 90 minutes before bed. I feel like otherwise that's when, you know, you lie on your pillow and you just keep thinking of all these things. And then, and then you start telling yourself, to stop thinking about them and then you just can't go to sleep for five hours. So I, I think around, around 90 minutes helps to switch off from work. And then I think the other things in my routine, if I try something, something sweet, like dark chocolate or whatever chocolate and a peppermint tea, um, I have before bed. So it's part of my routine. And then I find reading a book, um, 
as well helps because when I read a book, I can't multitask. I think it's, you know, I'm so used to sometimes like watching a movie while on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. When you read a book, I love reading because you can't do anything else and you just have to focus and it makes you sleepy. So then the other thing I do as well, I don't do it every night, but when I, um, I feel like I need it, especially when I've had a really stressful day, I do um, one of our kit guided meditations. We've got sleep meditations, which are a little bit longer. And then we've also got kind of breathing meditations and kind of daytime ones. So depending on what I need, I'll either do it before I start my kind of nighttime-ish routine. Um, or if I'm finding like, I, I know that it's going to be hard to fall asleep that night because of what's happened in the day or my mind's still going, I'll do a sleep meditation because they go for about 20 minutes. So by the end, I'm Zen. What are you reading at the moment? You mentioned about books. Are you kind of into nonfiction or fiction? Kind of what's on your bedside table at the moment? What's on my bedside? Well, there's one cooking book with a lot of dust on it, but that's just there because I like the way it looks. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what am I reading at the moment? So I've actually push myself out of this idea that I should read every day, which I love reading. But what I was reading, I had to be learning. So I was always reading nonfiction books. And so what that meant is though, my reading became a time that I would then, you know, read something and then think about work because it was all the books I was reading is about running a business, like how to be a better leader. But I've tried to give myself permission to just let go a little bit um, and realize that, you know, I can have downtime when I'm not kind of working or thinking about work or thinking about development and you know all of those things um, and I've started reading fiction books I bought um, Colleen Hoover's book It Ends With Us it is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read it also has some really important messages about domestic violence throughout the book and it is yeah based on the, the author's experiences and it's very powerful and there's romance in there there's it's yeah, I highly recommend if you want a good fiction book very very much recommend I've interviewed a couple of people on this from athletes to entrepreneurs and people have said about that book and it's still on my list. So yeah, I feel like it's one that everyone's reading and says it's fantastic. I was wondering, because obviously I think going into the end of the day and I know I'm the same, that some of us can find it really hard sometimes to switch off and create those boundaries. And maybe if we're working from home, especially, and you know, how do you find that experience of winding down, like you were saying at the end of the day and kind of creating that, you know, that boundary for yourself? So I find what helps is, again, this is sometimes doesn't happen, but this is my ideal that I would love to do is to, to walk um, our, two, our two dogs, Bill and Ben. So what Dalton and I will try and do is after we finish work, we'll go for a quick walk, not far, but just it gets us out of the house. It gets us some fresh air, which I feel like makes the biggest difference. Um, and then it also means that it's time where we can talk to each other where you can't be on your phone. And I find that just with, with, with you know, we both run our own businesses and I think it's something that there's always, when you run your own business, or I mean in a lot of jobs, there's always something you could be doing. And so I think it's so important. I've really, really tried to find time in the week where I force myself to do so it might be reading or it might be running or walking or whatever it might be where I actually can't be on my phone so I'm having that break um, because otherwise we get and then also of course I use social media for fun as well um, but it all kind of all this screen we, we, we look at our screen so much and so it's just trying to find time to kind of 
to wind down from there. And then as well, I find um, my husband actually really loves cooking. So he cooks most nights, but we, we kind of do it. We, we always, we go into kick and then we, we're pretty bad with planning. We try and plan on a Sunday, but usually it's night to night. So we're going to kick together and we're like, what are we going to cook tonight? Um, and then Dot will cook and I'll kind of sit there and we'll chat. So I find doing that as well helps. Um, sometimes, you know, when you get home, it's just so easy just to sit on the couch and, you know, want to order takeaway and just sit there and mindlessly scroll. And sometimes that happens, but I know I feel so much better and I sleep so much better when we kind of break that habit and kind of do something in between. But then of course we still watch trashy TV and and everything like that. Like that's important. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So I was thinking about kind of looking at your week and looking at your day generally, do you have any sort of well-being non-negotiables that you do when you can, you know, as much as you can? In the morning when I wake up kind of from 6.30 until I leave for work at 8, that 90 minutes is usually just time for me that I can do something that I, I know I have that time, unless we've got a shoot or something, but most of the time I have that time. So in that time, my biggest non-negotiable is, is moving my body. I obviously take rest days and that's really, really, really important. I move my body maybe about five times a week. Um, and I love especially running. Running for me is my form of, of meditation. If I have a stressful day ahead or if I have a really big meeting or, or something that I, I'm feeling a little bit anxious or uneasy about, if I go for a run, I listen to a podcast and I just feel so much better when I come back. Um, and usually as well, I, I sometimes will run on the treadmill, but then if you go outside, I think there's just something so great about getting outside and getting fresh air. So then it's mainly kind of out of your five workouts with all five move times moving your body a week. Is it tend to be running? And then what other kind of things do you tend to mix in there? So I mix it up. So I, I find that by doing some Pilates and strength training as well, it helps so much with strengthening my glutes and my core so I don't get injured from my running. So then I can keep running. I used to hate strength and Pilates and Seb used to hate running and we're slowly appreciating each other's training types a little bit more. Um, And so I find that I do, so I'll do uh, around, I'll probably run around four times a week. And then on top of that, I'll do uh, two to three Pilates to strength classes. But what I'll do is on some days uh, we've just launched our, so some, some days I'll run outside, but then we've just launched our, uh, our treadmill masterclasses on kick, which I actually take them, uh, which is I was so excited to do it. I feel like I got on the treadmill when we started filming and I was like, I feel like I'm born to be here right now. But what what they are is they're um, 10 to 30 minute classes, which is interval training. And you like it's sprinting and hills. And what they're all about is on the treadmill, I feel like you can, you can push yourself a little bit. It's a very different workout to running outside unless you kind of go at the same pace. But what I love with the treadmill is you can change the pace because when you go outside, you're not going to, you know, try and run speed 18 and sustain it. It's a bit hard to do that, but on the treadmill, obviously you can change it. You can put the incline on um, and you can really challenge yourself in a different way. So I love doing those workouts in the week as well. I do. uh, So out of my runs, if I do about four, four runs, one to two of those will be treadmill classes. And what I do on those days, if I do a 15 minute treadmill class, I'll stack that with a 20 minute Pilates class. So then it's kind of a, a combination. I kind of, I do it that way, but I find with, especially with the Pilates and strength, because with Ki, you can do it at home, super achievable for me. 20 minutes is enough. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, but it's just, it's so important. I've learned from not doing that when I don't do that with my running, I, it's the time that I get injured. So it's so important to make sure like for me, I'm strengthening my glutes and my core all the time. I love that. Actually, I was editing a fitness piece we had recently where they were saying about that, how, you know, if you're a runner, for example, you might not think you need to do strength training, whereas actually it can 
support your runs, whether that's the power uh, helping you reduce injury, longevity, things like that. So it's it's so great when different workouts can support each other in that way with the cross training. I was wondering if there were any sort of habits or activities that you'd love to start or you're trying to do more of. Oh, it's such a good question. I, oh, I was, when I was thinking about this, I think for me, it would be doing more of the things that stop, I suppose, prevent me from burning out and just getting away from my screen. So it comes back to, I think, like I love, I know I've spoken about reading a lot, but I, (laughs) I love reading that. It just calms me down so much and it's such an outlet for me. So more reading, um, uh, more cooking and just things that, bring me back to spending time with my friends, um, friends and family and, uh, and to be present. I think if I think of the times when I feel the most fulfilled and just, you know, when you just feel like I'm meant to be here right now, it's, it's when I'm, you know, it's when I'm with my friends and my family and I'm present and I'm, while obviously social media is a big part of, of what I do. Um, but it's the time that I'm kind of away from, from my phone and I get to have that, that break. So then when I, when I work, I'm, I'm, kind of my cup is full um, as opposed to you know trying to run on empty all the time so I think it would it would be that in terms of leadership I there's so much that I have to learn in in my role in kick and and what I do and I I think if I the more that I can learn the better Um, so I think I would also love to continue just to develop my leadership and find a find a course to do. I just finished my PT course, which was great, but now I've got a little bit where that time was, I can, I want to, I want to do something else. I, I find, um, I learning, I find too. So it's so cool because when you, with learning and, you know, doing courses or whatever, it might be challenging yourself. It's so, it's kind of infinite as to how many you can do. Um, so I, but I think this for the next kind of six months, I really want to focus on, on my leadership you and Steph are huge advocates for talking about mental health and mental well-being and the power of, you know, movement and things for that. And I'd love to ask you if you're happy just to share a little bit about your kind of experience with mental well-being, I guess, and perhaps if there's any sort of anything you've learned or any experiences that have really taught you something perhaps over the past year or so about your mental well-being. Uh, the main one of the main reasons that Kick was founded in the in the first place was because of the experiences that Steph and I went through with how we felt about our bodies and ourselves and that we thought that, you know, with diet culture, the, the way that it is. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It is getting better, but then I'm also so worried with the rise of the heroin chic kind of stuff that's all in the media at the moment. So I was reading an article about how there's this kind of rise of this back like and I was reading and I was looking through the images of this heroin chic look of just so 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 skinny and that's you know what's coming back into fashion which is so crazy and so scary and it and it made me think back to you know 10 years ago when I had a horrible relationship with food and exercise and one of the core reasons that that happened for me was because of my social media feed and the trends that were, I remember I was talking to Steph about it today and it was around kind of the whole Kate Moss kind of thing of, uh, there was this ridiculous thing. It was like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And that is so, so, so toxic. Um, and for me, someone who kind of, you know, grew up in a really healthy family, I, I understood, I did biology, I understood genetics. I know that if, you know, if you and I ate the same thing and we exercise exactly the same, we'd still look completely different because we're built, we're built genetic, uh, genetics are different, right? But it's crazy when you're on social media, all of that sometimes, and you, we get caught in the trap of comparison, all of that goes out the window. 
And so it is really worrying that I feel like we've done so much, especially in the health industry and people not always going now for like a, you know, a quick fix or a fad diet. It's like looking, especially what we do at Kik, it's all about making sustainable long-term changes and balance and, and all those things. So I hope, I hope that it, that this trend doesn't fully take over. Um, but that was my first probably experience with um, my, my not having a good, my mental health, not being strong. It was interesting at the time, you know, I was eating, I was exercising excessively. I was, um, I was eating like as, as healthily as when I say healthily in quotation marks, cause it wasn't really, I was depriving myself, but mentally I was so tired and I was not looking after my mental health at all. Um, and then more recently, I would say probably through COVID was one of the hardest, I think, I mean, for everyone, it was such a hard time. I, I had days where I definitely, I, I wouldn't say I felt d- depressed, but but I felt, which I, I don't, I haven't, I, I'm very anxious, which I'm, it has been better actually since we've come out of COVID. But I felt so sad and so down and so demotivated and that affects, because I'm so used to being such an, ener- like an energetic person. And I think too, I put a lot of my value on how I make other people feel and when you are feeling really demotivated and down, you don't, it's really hard to, you know, be happy and up for people. And so I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to do that. And, and I, and I just felt like I was failing and, um, that was really hard and and that really affected my confidence. And I think with confidence, especially I, what I've learned is for me, the way to get my confidence back is to put myself back out there and try something and realize that it's fine and not let one experience kind of, and we do this so often, we'll have maybe go into an exam, we'll have one bad exam, or we'll go into an interview and we'll have one bad interview, or um, we'll go for a run and we'll have one bad run. And then we let that one experience define our future experiences that, oh, I'm not going to try and get another job because I'm really bad at interviews. But that's not, that's not what it is. It's that I had one bad interview. I'm going to learn from it. And then I'm going to go on to the next one. It doesn't define, the past does not define what we can do in the future. And so I think for me, what was really hard was that with my confidence where it was, I was so low that I then didn't have the motivation to put myself back out there and show myself that I could do it if I tried again. Um, and so in, in a lot of things, especially in my work. And so uh, that for me, it was hard because I had to push myself. But once I pushed myself and got back out there, it, it helped so much. Um, but it is, it's really hard when you're in this really like dark place to, tr- to try and, you know, get out of it. And I think too in COVID, because it was something that, especially with creativity and, and thinking of innovation and, you know, and what we do with Kik, it was so hard to be creative through 2020, 2021, everything was this blur. (laughs) Um, so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm so happy that we're, we're through, we're through the time. And I think too, especially personal connection is, which, which I touched on before. It's just, for me, it's so energizing. And so being back in the office, you know, with the team, our wonderful team at kick and being able to, you know, go out for dinner on a Friday night and not do it on zoom, all of these things that I think we used to take, for, for granted, I think that's one thing that I'm very grateful for. I do, I really appreciate them a, a lot more now, which is so special. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes when, you know, I know if I'm going through periods where I feel quite anxious, I don't necessarily always recognize that in the moment necessarily. It's kind of sometimes maybe it might come to the end of a week, say, and I'll look back and think, oh, you know, 
I actually felt a bit low this week or a bit anxious this week. And sometimes it's hard to recognize in the moment. And then it's kind of, then I try to think to myself, okay, what can I maybe do to make a change to that? Because I find it hard to identify during, at the, in the moment. And I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think, I think too, in the moment, it's, you, I, I have things that I know that I do that make me feel better. So running or going and spending time with, with friends, um, like really not, not big groups of people, but just like, you know, the people that know you really, really well and fill your cup up or getting outside and listening to a podcast. And I think what's sometimes hard is when you feel like that, you just want to kind of stay, stay inside and stay at home and, and you don't, but I've, I've tried to learn the kind of the, the ways that I, um, I suppose the signs that I start to feel to then because I know if I don't do all those other things, I, I, I can't feel kind of like me again. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to, I think something for me, like you were saying, was being at home and working from home and not necessarily having a sounding board all the time for maybe things that I was doing during the day. And and so a couple of friends and I have started going to cafes to work together and things like that, even just for a few hours or anything like that. And I have to say, it's really it, I noticed then at the end of the day and my partner will notice as well, like the, my, the change in my mood, perhaps at the end of the day and things like that. And you do feel it's like that energy and that joy kind of, and it's for the small things, just spending time with your people and getting out and having coffee and that kind of thing. And even when the weather's a bit rubbish and whatever, you know, it's so, it's so worth it when you notice that change in yourself, I think. Oh, absolutely. And even just changing your space, it makes such a difference. And obviously, it's your role now. You're appointed CEO of Kick in 2021, which is just so fantastic and so well-deserved. And I wondered how you found this time in the role and kind of what are some of your highlights so far? So I think the most special part about my role is that I get to work alongside and lead a wonderful, wonderful group of people that team that we have in Kick. And I think as well, knowing that I feel very lucky to be in a role where I'm, you know, leading a team towards something that I feel so incredibly passionate about with with kick and, and our mission and, and what we're trying to achieve as a company and to know that we're I think that's one of the things in a, in a little bit in, in how my my day-to-day switch switch a little a tiny bit is just obviously it's a lot more of running the business and you know working on the business and so what that means sometimes is I have less exposure to um more community the more community side of the business which is the why and you know the why we do what we do and that our community is is what kick is and so I've just made sure it's so important that I'm still getting that time, you know, connecting with the community because that's coming back to when I get, you know, when you get the ideas and, and you feel that for fulfillment of that kind of, it just keeps you going because it is, it's, it is hard work. It's, you know, there's so much grit in it in running your own company, but what I, I feel so grateful when you, when you're reminded of the impact of, of your work, it's, um, it's very special. So I feel really lucky to, you know, to be able to lead a company, you know, alongside Steph, um, where we're, we're really making an an impact, especially on how, how women in particular feel about themselves. And that's, doesn't matter, not if their, their body changes or anything, it's just how they feel about them. And that's just the most amazing thing in the whole world. And then obviously you touched on challenges and yeah, I wondered if you'd mind sharing, you know, maybe an example of a key one that you have guess you faced in the role and what helped you to navigate that? I think with challenges, the the biggest thing would be as, as a, fe- a young female leader is, is managing imposter syndrome and 
just realizing that I'm not going to have all the answers. I mean, I wish I could, and I've had to really work through this with myself. If it was up to me, I would pause the world, which obviously is impossible, um, and do a 10 year accelerated degree in all the things I need to know to run a business. But I think I just need to be, and and I think too, I need to, I've learned that I need to put less pressure on myself that, you know, I'm not, I, I can't expect myself to have had 10 years experience in HR or 10 years experience in finance or legal or whatever it might be. Um, so that's, that's probably been the hardest thing. And I think when I'm as a leader, I have to be confident in what I'm doing. I have to be decisive. That is extremely important and clear. And those things are very hard to do if you let imposter syndrome or self-doubt as, as we often do as women cripple you or, you know, take over what you're doing. And, and I think I, I find that what helps me is I'll look at other people running that I admire running companies and, it's not, it's not about, I think it's also, it's like kind of re in my mind, realigning the idea of what a leader looks like, because I think sometimes, you know, when I was growing up, I wouldn't, and it's just, unfortunately the way the, I suppose the, the way that not the major society in general, I kind of, when I thought of a CEO, I thought of a six year old white man. That's literally what comes to my mind. Right. And that's not what I am with, you know, that might've been a CFO before that and had lots of finance experience and was very serious and all those things. And so for me, it's really challenging that idea and, and saying, no, I can, I have a choice. I can either believe that I can do it. Um, and I can, I, I can do the best that I can and, or I cannot believe that I can do it and, then not do a great job. And so obviously I'm going to go for for the first option. And I think I've, I've learned to remind myself and it's, I mean, it's for anyone listening, it's for everything in your life. If you have imposter syndrome, it can come in any job. And, you know, often when we push ourselves out of our comfort zone, because it's uncomfortable, but I know, first of all, that when I push myself out of my comfort zone, they, at the times that I feel the most fulfilled and I just, I, I feel so proud of myself and I get the most joy and fulfillment out of those moments. It's so amazing that we have so much growth ahead of us in our lives and there's, you know, it's the path is something that we don't, it's not defined for us. It's going to change depending on, you know, what opportunities we take or don't take, whatever it might be. But I I think that's such a beautiful thing. So I'm trying to embrace that a little bit more, kind of trying to separate it out of who I am and then this separate imposter syndrome voice that, you know, thank you so much for showing up and thinking that you care about me, but you don't know what's best for me. And I do. And I understand your worries, but I'm going to move forward from here and I'm going to believe that I can do it because if I don't believe, who's going to believe that I can do it? Yeah. I wondered if you have a process that you work through when it comes to making decisions. I think, you know, sometimes making choices, whether it's in work or life, can be quite daunting for us, especially if there's, you know, change maybe involved and we kind of worry, are we doing the right thing? And, you know, this and this, do you and kind of, do you, I guess with Steph as well, have a, a have process you work through with decision making? Yeah. Oh, it's hard. And I think too, it's one of those things that, especially in leadership, being decisive is extremely important. And I think what I have learnt throughout the Steph, Steph's the same in, in how we make our decisions um, within the business, but then I suppose also personally is I do like to talk to people about it. I like to kind of gather as much information as possible, but you have to balance that. You don't want too much because if you get 10 opinions from something, we've just gone through something at kick and we've showed maybe five people this piece of work and every single one of those people that are very experienced and very talented, they all had completely different feedback on this piece of work. So for us to go to this person and change it and then the next person, it's it's never going to be what, you know, they all think is right. So you have to be really cautious with 
how much feedback you're getting and ensuring that you don't have a thousand opinions because you know you don't make a we have one of one of our amazing advisors at Keith Gabrielle she says um, it's not you don't make a decision by committee that's not how you do things you need to have the right people there and you need to have support that's very important because then I feel like you feel it helps me feel more confident in decisions but then you need to make your decisions you got the information you need to make the decision fast and then you need to let what I have found that has helped me so much is letting go of holding on to what if we made the other decision whatever decision you make or chose the other option. And it's the same when you're in our personal lives, right? And that's what life is. It's like, I don't know how many, I think we make thousands of decisions a day, actually, like micro decisions. I read that once. It's a lot. Um, no wonder we have decision fatigue, you know, we're on Netflix and what we're going to have for dinner and, and all of these things. But um, with, with bigger decisions, choose what you want to do you're never going to feel a hundred percent sure on anything. I don't, I actually don't, unless it's around something like what you're going to eat for dinner, all the big decisions in life, we are never a hundred percent sure. So don't expect yourself to get there, but whatever you decide back that, and then just move forward with that. And don't worry about the other thing that you didn't choose because you will make it work. So I'd love to ask you, are you someone who sets resolutions or goals? Yeah, totally. So I think when it comes to resolutions and goal setting, I think What's really important is to give yourself space and also permission to set them or not set them. Up until 2020, I set goals and every single year for what I wanted to do. And I was very clear on them. But then because 2020 and 2021 were really hard years on me mentally and I felt I didn't have that same kind of mental clarity that I, I usually have when you, when you feel a bit you know demotivated, it's really hard. That was, I didn't, the first year I tried to force myself to do it and I just, and it put, made me feel worse because I couldn't think through clearly and I couldn't think of things and I just didn't feel like I wanted to set them. And I think it's important to know that if you, you know, if it gets to whenever you set you, I, I usually do, re, it's more so I think reflection and then where I want to, what I've learned from my reflections and where I want to push and challenge myself in the next year. That's probably more so where I see it. And I usually do that thinking between Christmas and New Year because I feel like it's a time when it's the most quiet. It, it's busy but quiet in terms of work. Like everything's kind of – most of the stuff is kind of shut down or less – this is less less noise and I, I, I do it then. Um, but I think it's important for anyone listening that might feel a lot of pressure. I feel like sometimes when you feel so much pressure to set goals at a certain time of the year as we do in January or end of December or whatever – it then makes it really hard to do it. And so I think if it doesn't come naturally, doesn't feel comfortable, know that that's okay and you can find another time of the year to set them or maybe it's just not a year that you don't want to set them or maybe they don't work for you and that's okay. It, we don't all have to work the same way and set the same goals at the same time of the year. For me, so I'll reflect on the year and um, set goals, especially around ways. I mean, it was like that wonderful question of um, what do I want to learn or grow in for the rest of the year that's the, the stuff that I'll kind of personally work through um, and then in terms of kick uh, we've got some um, really exciting plans around international expansion which is an, an expanding our markets which is really exciting and so um, especially in the UK which is awesome and then we've got some other business adjacencies that we're working on but that's kind of the main um, the main focus. And then I would love to finish off with a few quick fire questions, if that's all right. Always the favourite. <laughs> Put you on the spot. A very, very big, important one to start. Your favourite workout song or soundtrack? <laughs> what kind of gets you gets you moving? Beyonce. I love Beyonce. 
all Beyonce and just put on a playlist of just Beyonce and well not just Beyonce because she is Beyonce um and it just she just makes me feel so good your go-to energy snack or smoothie recipe something that kind of gives you that kind of get up and go so I love our, we have bliss balls with kick um, and protein balls, which I love. They're so good because they're on the go and just so easy. And then smoothie, my favorite smoothie, it's a chocolate one. And I make it all the time, which is with chocolate protein powder. And I put cacao powder too. So it's like extra chocolatey almond milk, frozen banana and some nut butter. I'm allergic to peanuts. So I kind of peanut butter, almond, almond butter. Yeah. Something that might surprise people about you. So I think it would be that I used to be a DJ and I had half blonde and pink hair. Are you surprised? No way. That surprised me. Yeah. Yes, I was. <laughs> just just for about a year. Um, but that was when I was 18. How you would spend your dream weekend or day off? Oh, I love this question. So I would start with a run and I would it would be sunny. That would be my dream day or weekend. I love it. Sunshine just makes me feel we're, we're getting some with this week in Melbourne. We've had some warm weather, which is, oh, I just feel so much better and happier. Um, so it would be a sunny day. I would go for a run in the morning and then I would go out for breakfast with Dalton and our dogs, take them to the park. Then we would, I would go to the beach and read my book and then I would go somewhere and dance for five hours with my friends. <laughs> Love that. And then maybe get behind the DJ decks. Who can say? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I just do the dancing. <laughs> something that you're currently watching or a podcast you're listening to a, a show or a podcast or anything that you think everyone should give a go I'm such a big fan of shameless podcasts which I'm I'm sure yeah you yeah you know that they're so Zara and Michelle are so good I love I look forward to on Thursday mornings when when their episodes come out and I also love their um their scandal series that they do as well so I definitely recommend the shameless podcast it's like listening to friends it's a good and then just very lastly, I feel like we've covered so, so much today, but if you could only leave our listeners just with one kind of piece of advice, kind of with their well-being in mind, what would it be? You know, what would you love for us all to know? So I would say to put less pressure on yourself and to remember that we can only do what we can with what we have each day and each day is different. Some days we have so much more energy. Some every some we we feel different on different days, and some days showing up is all that we can do, and that is okay, and that is enough. And I think it is so important just to not not let and kind of what I was talking about um, earlier in the episode around letting you know one moment or one thing define what we can do tomorrow or define how we're going to feel or how we're going to show up the next day just knowing that we can only do what we can with what we have um and to always look forward and not and not let any of those past experiences define what we're capable of in the future i love that laura thank you so so much thanks for being so yeah honest and open and yeah we so appreciate it thank you oh thank you so much for having me this episode of Uninterrupted was hosted by Alex Davies and produced by me, Lisa Gebelagen, with additional sound editing by Jess Campbell. For more from us, grab a copy of the latest issue of Women's Health with Laura and the cover. Find it on newsstands or online via Apple News Plus. Visit us at womenshealth.com.au and find us on Instagram at womenshealthAUS. Thank you and see you next time.